0: Welcome to this week's Football Funders podcast. We have a change of schedule, so if you're expecting to hear the mental health special, it's in the works and we had to adjust our plans ever so slightly. But we're still here for this week. It is, of course, myself, Dan and Mr. Ryan Scott. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. This week, we're going to hit the best finishers of the Premier League era, something Ryan will lead us into shortly and look at the future of the Super Cup and the Club World Cup and the relevance. A look look looking Chelsea as Roman Bramwich steps aside for political reasons. But quickly, it's time for our partner's plug. The Proper Brokes Club is a community project for men's mental health. The main aim is to break the stigma of men's mental health and start talking openly about it. Exercise has been proven way to help people with any sort of mental health by releasing endorphins that make you feel good about yourself. Walking is free, so it makes a good way to start and get you out in the fresh air. And, of course, let us talk mental health, a charity football team raising money for Mind Charity raising awareness of men's mental health by playing football with, I can say personally, great group of lads. So... We'll get into our first topic. Ryan, we'll kick off with you. This was your idea.
1: This is actually a stolen idea because it came up on TalkSport today. They were waxing lyrical over Jamie Vardy's career and whether he made the top 10 best finishers in the Premier League. And for me, don't get me wrong, he's a feel-good story and he's been a very good Premier League player. But to even have him in the top 10 of Premier League finishers, goal scorers. He's not even close. Even in the current Premier League, I wouldn't even have him. I mean, top I, 10 right now. Is a top 10 like, finisher as, in the Premier League yeah. who can put a ball in the back of the net. Probably right not. Right I've yeah, got I to mean, be I honest. <laughs> and top 10 of all time, he's not even close. I've got 10 of my own, and he, he doesn't even get near any of them. So I just thought it would be fun to hijack their idea and have a discussion about who was the best finishers in Premier League history.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So me and Ryan have taken this slightly differently. So I've kind of gone with the best natural finishers, as in people that just get the ball and put it in the net. And Ryan's gone with the just putting the ball in kind of who was a good finisher the way it happened. Yeah, is that what I'm guessing?
1: For me, it's all about the quality of the finish. It's not about the amount of goals they scored. It's literally about how sumptuous the finish is, how much finesse. I'll give you the prime example. I'll start off with, with one is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If you talk to anyone or listen to anyone talk about how good a finisher he is, he, he was just like, he would practice training session after training session, putting the ball between the goalkeeper's legs. And he scored so many goals that way because he just trained and he was such a clinical, sweet finisher. There, there was nothing else. He doesn't have the same goals record as an Alan Shearer, who I wouldn't put him down as one of the greatest finishers of all time, despite him being the highest goal scorer in Premier League history, because half the time he just walloped it and it just flew in the net. There was no finesse. There was no poise to it. There was no almost no composure to it. So it was just like, right, ball in front of me, whack. I mean, don't get me wrong, Alan Shearer had a fantastic volley on him. He really did have good technique, but he doesn't make my list for the top 10. So I'll start off with a soul shot, and we'll bounce back and forth.
0: Yeah, so my first one uh, is also a man you van Isteroy.
1: Yes, he's my number I mean, one.
0: He His goals, the way he scored them, but also, I mean, the, the amount of goals, and you have to think... With, Was it an injury that made him kind of leave United in the end, wasn't it?
1: No, it was actually just... We signed Louis Saha and he fell out with Alex Ferguson because I think it was the League Cup final, if I remember rightly. And Fergie told him that Louis Saha was starting instead of Rude, and Rude did not like that. Yeah, well, he scored
0: 150 goals and 219 appearances. That's just statistically. But as a finisher, I don't think I've seen one, as you said, number one. I don't think there's many better in the world. In the world, in the Premier League, sorry, throughout the era. I mean, I remember watching him score at the Valley when I was young and just in bringing the ball down and turning because he just, the way he just controlled the football and in general, not only just in that game, but the way he scored goals, I don't think there's many better than the Valley story.
1: And his composure when he got in front of a goalkeeper was just unbelievable. The only one I've seen similar is Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in terms of just composure of being able to keep calm when a goalkeeper is rushing at you and slide the ball in then for me, Van Nistelrooy is the best. My number two is, ironically, another Dutchman, and that's Robin Van Persie. He could hit them from anywhere, and his technique was astounding. There's an international player from years before Dan's time called Marco Van Basten, who was another Dutchman, and being an AC Milan fan from back in the day, you just go and watch the videos of how he hit them. I think Van Nistelrooy and Van Persie are the closest thing I've ever seen to... In terms of technique, it just baffles me. So Van Persie was my number two.
0: Van Persie's goal always reminds me, there's three goals of Van Persie's that shine out. One is sadly another one against Cholton. A volley is out ridiculous from outside the box. There was one for Holland at the World Cup. And I want to say it was against Uruguay, but don't hold me to it. And then I think after the World Cup, he came back to Man United and did the exact same finish against Aston Villa. I mean, he was offside when he scored it. He should have been ruled out, but... The technique on it was ridiculous. The way, I mean, it was miles offside. The line had ignored it. But um, the technique was sensational.
1: Van Persie, while we're talking about Van Persie, his career actually makes me a bit sad because when you look at the end of his career and how phenomenal he was, and all those years as a youngster when he was just constantly injured and could never get a run of games going, it just makes me wonder what sort of career he would have had. If he'd been fit enough to go from like, if he'd had like a similar career to Wayne Rooney in terms of staying on the pitch and being fit, it, it, his talent was extraordinary. And in a way, he, he sort of like, he made up for it right at the end because he won a few trophies with Man United. But what could have been with Van Persie for me?
0: Yeah. I mean, Van Persie was, I think, one of the most not underrated, to the wrong term, but. Someone that will never maybe get the credit sometimes he deserves because he came into Arsenal when they were great and was kind of there during their their downfall years before he made his years to move to, his, to, move to United. But yeah, I think a fantastic footballer. And then moving on to my next one, someone only spent a little time in the Premier League, but I think his, looking at his overall career, Zatan Ibrahimovic.
1: Ooh, I didn't is, even think of him. I don't know what I should do, because he played for my club.
0: At Man United, he didn't score any goals that were particularly weldy.
1: But I'm sure as he probably a footballer, did, we just can't even remember him.
0: As as a footballer, and obviously he did spend time in the Premier League, so this might be cheating because he wasn't that long in the Premier League. But as a footballer, some of the goals he scored and his technique was just... It was disgusting. And he could score from anywhere. You know, just, He could score from 40 yards if he had to. he quite happily score from three. I mean, the, mo- the bloke is a complete dick. But if you're going to be a complete dick, at least back it up with the footballing ability that he's got.
1: <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah. I, like I said, I, I should have thought about him because he played for my club. But for some reason, because maybe it's just because he wasn't there. He was there for, what, a year, I think?
0: Two, and, yeah, two years. Year
1: and a half. Um, well, I think he only played for about six months, though, because he was injured. And then they eventually let him leave. Because he wasn't getting back in the side, yeah. Blimey, think about it. when it comes to Zlatan. I think the goal that I always remember is the goal he scored against England. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, it was like an a, overhead UK. volley from an angle about thirty-five yards out. And I think who was it who made his England debut that day? Shawcross. It was Ryan Shawcross. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I remember hearing his interview. <laughs> he played like, again? <laughs> Yeah, it was like, I played for England. I thought I played really well, but unfortunately Zlatan Ibrahimović played better and I never played for England again after that.
0: Yeah, and that sadly is exactly what happened for him, blessed.
1: The next one I'm going to put up is, people may not agree with me, but we're going to roll back here a little bit. I'm not sure how much you would have seen of him, actually, but you should have seen a bit of him. Teddy Sheringham. People I talk saw him about, at 40. Yeah. <laughs> People talk about his vision, his passing ability, how he was slow, but his vision's in his head. If you actually look at his quality of passing, the quality of his finishing, even from free kicks, go onto YouTube and have a look. His technique and, again, composure, when it comes to finishing, composure is so key that he, w- he was just so level-headed and he would just slide the ball past the goalkeeper so elegantly and so neatly that you could almost sort of like pinpoint it to the centimeter. He, he was, was almost your, really your Rolls
0: Royce forward, wasn't he? Yeah. That kind of saying, I don't really like the saying, but he's the one when you, you, it come to mind when you hear that saying.
1: I think a lot of people would compare him and Dimitar Berbatov together, who doesn't make my list, but probably would get a shout out because he was also a phenomenal finisher. They were so similar in terms, but I think Ternity Sheringham was better than Berbatov personally.
0: Again, another former
1: United player. Yes. Although, for Sorry. me, most of my... Th- talking about Berbatov and Sheringham, my memories of them, rather ironically, come more in a Tottenham shirt than they do in a, in a Man United shirt, which is a bit weird, but that's where they made their names and got their moves to Old Trafford. So, that's why it stays in my mind. Yeah,
0: my memory of Teddy Sheringham's in a West Ham shirt. A little bit of a Tottenham shirt. And the a West Ham and then Portsmouth and then he played, He I think he scored against us when he was at Colchester like 42 so that was depressing. But um, <laughs> So my, my next one is, I think does have the qualities you're talking about but again I said I did drift into the poacher kind of but I think he could do more. My next one's Jermaine Defoe.
1: I was waiting for you to say this one. He didn't make my list but yeah, go on.
0: Jermaine Defoe is, it still hurts me that he left Charlton as a kid but he, again, like watching him as, as a younger player, watching him when he got on the ball, you knew there was his bad score. If he got on the ball around the box, You you watched you, if you were half watching the game and Jermaine Defoe was on the ball around the box, you started watching the game. Uh, he scored a a goal for Tottenham against Birmingham that always sticks in my head, which he drives and then he hits it across the keeper. And then I think Sunderland, it might have been his Sunderland debut or his first time with Derby, he hits one against Newcastle. Jermaine Defoe just... Someone that, not necessarily the best striker, for a lot of people would say, but I just felt, never got credit, he truly deserved And I mean, we've said it before, and I've said it, especially on this podcast before, but I just think me, if I was a great striker and uh, could hit a ball so well and so crisply.
1: I think we, we've said it on this podcast before. We think that his biggest mistake was following Harry Redknapp everywhere. I think there was a time, especially probably when he was at Spurs, when... We signed Berbatov. I was sort of looking at him thinking, why have we signed Berbatov? Surely we should have gone for Defoe instead.
0: Yeah, especially the one that got me was when he left Tottenham for Portsmouth. Again, you said following Harry, but I'm pretty sure he would have had a lot more options when Tottenham said, listen, we're going to move you
1: on than Portsmouth. Is he still scoring at the moment, by the way? Because I know he went to Sunderland. He's
0: just signed for Sunderland. To be honest, I don't know if he's played. We've got them Saturday, so I'm sure he'll come on and score Actually. Um, let's have a quick look I don't think he scored for Sunderland but I'm also not sure if he's made his debut I mean he did quite well for Rangers you no know, he was a lot of sub appearances and stuff let's have a quick look yeah he'll score a hat-trick so he's played in three games for Sunderland hasn't scored yet but they're probably all subs but I'm sure as we're playing them on Saturday he'll smash the crap out of us
1: that'll go down well with the Charlton fans wouldn't it they'll love that right next on my list is I'm going to go current day at the moment And uh, this is a player who's got a lot of stick in the last year or so. He's not had a fantastic season. But Harry Kane, I I think he's arguably one of the best finishers of the last 10 years. He's another one that can score everything. He reminds me of Teddy Sheringham in terms of the way he finishes, the way he strikes a ball. And obviously he lacks the pace that a Defoe would or or even a Rooney would do. I wouldn't say Rooney was electric. Fast, but he he was quick. But yeah, so Harry Kane for me.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone could really argue with that. Listen, he's another one where a bit like the but in, diff- in a different way of doing it. When the ball gets to Harry Kane around the box, people watch because something's happening. I actually think his strike partner or wing attacking partner, Min Son, would probably be not on the list, but spoke about more if he wasn't around Harry Kane because if you look at his. And again yeah, as everyone knows i like my stats but if you look at like his uh, goals per Monday. shot etc yeah Do you know what I mean? Son is actually a f- very highly rated finisher his chances that he gets but
1: i'm curious with those two because they seem like they're meant to be together i think they've just like broken the record for most goals and assists between two people and son's not even actually a striker he's sort of like a no. wired inside forward uh, I I love him I think he's amazing if I could sign him for Manchester United right now I would especially with the sort of dearth of attacking talent we've got at the moment with sort of Ronaldo being ancient Cavani being ancient and the less said about the other one the better uh, and <laughs> and Rashford not very so true not even happy with with himself let alone with Manchester United so yeah I you know what I'd I'd definitely give Sun Min, uh, uh, an honourable mention for sure.
0: The one I want to ask because I, so I I went back and listened to this the talk sport segment. Gabriel Bonglaw, and it's a question I'm going to ask you because I didn't watch him. Ian Wright, does he deserve to be on this list?
1: He doesn't make my ten, but definitely an honourable mention. He was a fantastic Gab- finisher. Gabriel
0: Bonglaw just completely kind of nonchalantly pushed Ian Wright aside in the interview that I heard which I found a bit strange from what I've heard of Ian Wright.
1: Yes, Ian Ian Wright. I mean, you don't end up as a record goal scorer for Arsenal until obviously Thierry Henry come along by not being a top finisher, especially when he was playing with someone like Dennis Bergkamp, who probably should get an honourable mention because the goals that he scored were very special. He didn't score as many because he was essentially a number 10 than all the other people we're going to talk about. But Ian right, yeah, definitely deserves to be in, in the conversation.
0: Right, my next one, you just mentioned him. Thierry Omri.:
1: This one I struggled with because oh, it did score some ridiculously sublime goals. But I'm not sure if he was a finisher of the highest quality. I know that may sound really weird, but make your case.
0: Well, I, I just think, again, going back to what I said about Vannis' story, the technique that Henri showed with a lot of his goals, when you see him ducking in and out of players and then whipping the ball from all kinds of angles, although all the goals were never particularly, you could say, flashy and not many that stick out, a finisher, for me, my definition of a finisher is someone that gets into a position that sticks the ball in the net with his technique and his ability. And I felt to ability to find space, create space, and then just smash one in is that for me like that's it and I don't really know how else to argue my point
1: with his hands too
0: yeah well you know the, we won't upset the Irish generation
1: like I said it's a bit weird that I, I didn't really consider him but maybe it's because like you know what Thierry Henry gets so many plaudits throughout his career maybe it's just like we'll just forget about him so somebody else has got a chance at, at, at winning something <laughs> even if it's just an award on our podcast Next on my list, let's have a look and see who else is on my list. I've got one more, by the way. So I've got, I've got a you. few more, don't worry. Uh, Mark Vaduka at Leeds. Did you see him?
0: I did, yeah. But I saw him at Middlesbrough, but still, he was still fantastic.
1: He was a phenomenal finisher. He was an ex- had an excellent volley at the ball. Boy, could he hit them. So, Mark Vaduka definitely for me. You going to argue with that one?
0: No, I'm fine up I said I saw him at Middlesbrough, but again, the way that I remember him scoring against Cholton. And again, I talk about technique. The ball came across him and he hit it. And the way he hit it, the ball didn't move from the moment he lifted his foot till it rifled in the top corner. And I remember just watching as all the Cholton fans kind of stood there and went, Yeah, fair play.
1: Let me guess your go last on. one Sergio Aguero. No. No, I did consider okay. it. it's not. Okay, go on it's, then. It's, it's Michael Owen. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, go on then. I mean, apart Again, from the goal said, against Argentina.
0: My thing, as I said, when I when I first started thinking about this topic, I was looking at more poacher, get the ball in the net. Michael just got the ball in the net, didn't he? You <laughs> gave him the ball when he put it in the net. That's When I started doing this, I was thinking more poacher. And then some of the names started to creep in when I kind of pulled it back a bit more. But at first, I was looking at Poacher and I just thought so many of his goals you saw, even on the back end of his career, it was the ball was dribbling about and Michael Owen was just when he played in the back end of his career and he wasn't on the physio table. He just poked goals in. And for me, I think that's very important for a finisher.
1: I think for me, looking back on sort of like Michael Owen and his pomp and at Liverpool, I think Robbie Fowler was actually the better finisher for me. He Robbie Fowler made my list of top ten.
0: Emil Heskey. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Adi Akinbahi <laughs> yeah um,
0: geez,
1: i just thought one problem. more we're going to have to do 10 of the worst if we're going to start talking yeah. about Akinbahi and Heskey Marcus Bent uh, yeah sorry who was I talking about Robbie Fowler yeah I mean some of his goal celebrations were a bit mm. I remember the one yeah the white That's line catchy, catchy. yep <laughs> but in terms of actually like putting a ball in the net very rarely have I seen anyone who could hit a ball as sweetly as he could Let's have a quick look. Who else is on my list? There's two I will mention. By the I'm way, sure. just while we're
0: talking to Robbie Fowler, Go on. I've got a, a kind of funny story. I don't know if you've watched it. There's a new programme on, on uh, YouTube that Gary Neville does. And I can't remember what it's called. So if you search Gary Neville, it might. Sky, Gary Neville Sky Sports. But he does like a, a show where he sits down on the stage with Jamie Carragher and Roy Keane.
1: Right, yes. And uh, Ke- I've- Kelly
0: Cates is the lady that, and there's a man. I don't know who the man is. And they talk to him about whatever... Talking about Robbie Fowler, Jamie Carragher said he has a, He was talking about Craig Bellamy, ironically. He's talking about Robbie Fowler, and he, but it's more involved with Craig Bellamy. Robbie Fowler mistouches a ball and um, Jamie Carragher goes, oh, for fuck's sake, Robbie, or whatever he said. And Craig Bellamy turns around and basically tells Jamie Carragher that Robbie Fowler has more skill in his uh, in the end of his penis than Jamie Carragher has on his feet, which I quite enjoyed.
1: <laughs> what a weird analogy. Uh, I think you're referring to the overlap.
0: That's overlap. That's the one. Yeah. And um, the other one I mentioned, which I think Ryan will disagree with, if if I have previous comments, but someone that always popped up in the big game with a big goal was Didier Drogba.
1: (sighs) It's difficult because he he was such an impactful player, but I wouldn't have put him down as a great finisher. There are other people ahead of of him in terms of... In terms of technique and composure, I, he wouldn't make my top 10.
0: How close in your top 10 is Pete Fernando Torres?
1: He's not. No? I, the, the problem is, is don't get me wrong, I, I remember Torres being really good, but it, for me, he kind of reminds me of Michael Owen. He was a pace merchant. And he would charge around with the ball and score a goal. And that's great uh, until, as we discovered, his knees went to shit and so did the rest of his career and Liverpool laughed all the way to the bank when Chelsea gave him about 50 million million. quid or whatever it was for for a busted flush. The one Liverpool player that I really don't want to give credit for because I don't like him as a human being but as a a finisher and a goal scorer I'm going to have to bring his name in. No. is Luis Suarez in terms of actually finishing and just Technique and yeah, I don't like him as a human being. I mean, all I have to do is say Patrick Evera, and I think everyone will understand why I don't like him.
0: Patrick um, Evera, Giuly, Gior, Jorginho Cellini. <laughs> he's got a history done. of being a bit of a dick. That, that everyone was the biggest one, but I mean, in general, yeah. he's got he's got track record of being a complete dick.
1: Absolutely. Whether he's trying to eat people or racially abuse them or whatever,
0: or winning a World Cup game by. Hamilton Unfortunately,
1: he is kind of like Diego Maradona in that aspect—a complete dickhead. But boy, can he play football! Mm.
0: So I just thought so. of one more. Go on, Gareth Bow. Technique—the way he hit the ball. I mean, I—he could hit a ball even when he came back. Last season, okay, like, his fitness was an issue. But when he got in front of goal for Spurs, he had a decent goal record last year. And he hit some nice finishes. Not saying he's top 10. I'm just saying I think he deserves to be in and around the chat.
1: I don't know. That was a tough one. Um, Because he's also not what you would associate as a goal scorer. But... He... I don't know of his
0: records would argue he
1: is. I know, that's the weird thing. But I mean, the trouble is, is also because he played for Madrid in a league with Messi and Ronaldo, who were smashing 50, 60 goals at a time. When you look at Gareth Bale's record at Madrid, it actually doesn't look that impressive.
0: His record at Madrid, I actually think is better than people realise it is. Yeah, no, just Because you compare it to, even Gareth Bale at Tottenham last year, how many goals do you think Gareth Bauer scored last
1: year? I think he got about 15. He
0: got he got 12 in 20 Premier League games.
1: It's not bad, but it, it, there was so much hype surrounding him or I suppose hype's not the right word, is it? It's... Well,
0: no, I think he was hype. When he signed for Madrid, it was hype. No, but, no, no, I'm said, that
1: when he came back to Tottenham. Oh, yeah,
0: not still hype. hype. It, it was wasn't really hype
1: so much. There was hype among the Tottenham fans, but everybody else was like, oh, he's a bit busted. He hasn't played the whole season for years he's been more interested in his golf and in terms of quality of goal I'd say yes he deserves an honourable mention but my, I wouldn't put him in 10
0: my thing for Gareth and as right, you you pointed it out his goal record is, is actually very good for Real Madrid and for Spurs but sadly he played in a generation and in a league at Madrid with two non-human players
1: and Men- in a Messi team. Ronaldo
0: like not humans when, no. And as you said, in the team with Ronaldo and even Benzema, who, you know, I question his overall ability at times. But again, his goal record it Speaks means for can Yeah, I
1: mean, that's the other thing is even like when we were talking about Mbappe a couple of podcasts ago and I was like, yeah, maybe he's not all that. And then you read out his goal stats and I was like, maybe it's just because yeah, it, they're not here.
0: And the thing is with Mbappe again, it's that thing of we're still in that generation close enough to Messi and Ronaldo where we can still compare it. Mbappe was doing this in seven years' time, eight years' time when Messi and Ronaldo are gone. We'd be higher on. I think like the thing that we said it, both me and you have said it, and even Pete said it. Like the, the fact that Lewandowski doesn't get the hype he does, is disgusting.
1: I think that's also because he's in Germany. I, I think that because he's at Germany. I th- I think. Haaland only gets the the praise that he does is because he's at an unfashionable side, smashing goals in left, right and centre. I mean, I think he's got something like 50 goals in 49 appearances or something mm. bananas like that is XG that they talk about so fluidly now is through the roof. I think from now, I think we are, the next two years, will definitely, it's going to be Mbappe and Haaland are, are the players yeah, that are going to be spoken the... about.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Haaland, you can't even argue that,
1: can you? <laughs> Haaland is truly, truly unique. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a more complete package. Yeah, yeah in, there's um, nothing he
0: doesn't have. He's big, powerful, quick. And,
1: and there's nothing that he does badly either. No. He will, He's just an absolute monster of a player. And this may sound like a really early prediction, considering he's only, what, 21 at the moment?
0: Yeah, I think he's 21,
1: 22. But I would argue that he's probably going to go down as the greatest goal scorer in history.
0: I mean, if he stays fit.
1: Just just the sheer numbers. If you look what he did in Austria, what he's done in Germany, he's just destroying it left, right and centre and he's 21 years old. He's got potentially another 13 years ahead of him. Mm -hmm. I think Pele is rumoured to have scored something like a thousand goals in his career. I could easily yeah, yeah. see Haaland smashing that. I wonder what
0: Haaland's at the minute, see if I can find
1: out. Especially if he goes to somewhere like Spain, where the quality of defending isn't as good. I mean, for, he's going to Madrid, a, personally. Yeah, I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure where he's going to end up because I've, I know Mbappe's <laughs> going to Madrid. I, think that I still done. can't
0: believe he was born in
1: England. If they get Haaland and Mbappe this summer, for the footballing world is going to crap itself. No one will want to play Real Madrid ever.
0: Erling Haaland has 150 goals in
1: 190 games. That's insane. He's 21. He's done it faster yeah. than Ruud van Nistelrooy did. 29 games faster. Judging on what you he's, just said, he's quite good. I won't lie to you. He's quite good. I'm actually surprised that there's like 40 games that he's played that he didn't score in. <laughs> I'm honestly genuinely that surprised because that when must. you look at when you look at his stats season on season those 40 games must have come at like the beginning of his career.
0: Yeah, so his first year, uh, it literally is. His first year for Bryn, Brian, he scored 16 and 11. Then the next season, didn't score at all in 16 games. And then scored two in 14 and then went to Austria and started beating the rubbish out of everyone that came near him and has been doing
1: it ever since. And then probably went to Germany and continued trying to personally challenge Lewandowski for the boot every year. I will have two mentions that might be before your time um, that did play in the Premier League. Francis Fabric- No, Fabrizio Ravinelli, who was at Middlesbrough, uh, the White Derby. Yeah, he Derby. was at Derby as well. He was a hell of a finisher. And there's a little bit of a theme here because the other one here is also an Italian and they both played together at Juventus. And it was Gianluca Vialli who played for Chelsea. He was, was a hell of a, uh, of a finisher and one other mention just because it's probably the most outrageous volley I've ever seen in my life in football it, I will give a special mention to Tony Yaboa for that volley for Leeds oh, if you, if you don't Yeboah. know the goal then it. Google it or YouTube it it's arguably the most ferocious and beautiful volley I think I've ever seen
0: not self and will in this list no
1: no no uh, <laughs> Sergio Aguero should be on the honourable... Aguero, yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Aguero, again, sadly, he'll go down as he already is. People go, well, he's injured all the time. He's like, yeah, he was injured all the time, and look what he still managed to do.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> insane. If he managed to stay fit for a whole season, he probably would have been banging in numbers similar to Haaland.
0: And he still would be scoring goals now, wouldn't he, for Barcelona? If Any um, honour-
1: Yeah, if his heart hadn't... Yeah. Any other honourable mentions for the Premier League? No, uh, I don't think
0: so. Unless you want to put Mo Salah in there for current day. You can't argue it, can you?
1: Let's be honest. The
0: quality I mean, of his goals are obscene. Picks the ball up, takes a touch and then... Right, that's gone in, there's
1: another one. Is he the closest thing we've seen to Messi? Ooh. In terms of style of play, in terms of ability?
0: is he? Oh, the closest in terms thing? of ability, possibly... I think style of play, no, because I think Salah... Messi, you could kind of put in that role where you could let him wander. I think most Salah needs to either be played through the middle or off the right. I think I, he I, wouldn't do as well if you put him in... If, say if you tucked him behind a striker, I don't think he'd be as good.
1: I say Messi because, for me, he reminds me more of Messi than he does of Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, no, um, I... I completely agree But I just think no. Nah, I think because of Messi's For me, Messi's just a bit more of a
1: Well, to be honest, he player, was Because
0: that's wrong But it was, not anymore But um, I have issues with Sal I mean, as a talent, can't deny I have issues with him I think he's coming off that left Off the right, playing up front Not sure him if you put him in the middle Like you could with Messi He'd have the same effect I mean, no one's going to have the same effect because he's Lionel Messi, but I think Salah, again, Salah's another one. Imagine if Messi and Ronaldo don't exist, Salah probably has a Ballon d'Or. Yes,
1: yes really. it would be between him and Lewandowski for the Ballon d'Or, ball, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah, or Haaland.
1: I mean, to be honest, let's be <laughs> honest, there's no, I personally don't see how Messi won the last Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Um, well, that's the
0: thing. Messi won it, and then Lewandowski got voted away for his best player. I was like, hold on, isn't that what the Ballon d'Or is?
1: No, it used to be, but they've they've moved it now. Balloon, the Balloon D'Or or Ballon d'Or, as it's supposed to be called. Me being English have butchered the language. It's run by a French magazine, basically. It's a popularity contest, and that's why Messi well, won it, it again. We're all in agreement why they didn't give him that title when during the pandemic he deserved it so
0: it's ironic that the one person that's won it in recent years that wasn't Ronaldo or Lewandowski
1: was the one that
0: everyone questioned and everyone was like okay I mean well done Luca but did you really yeah
1: I think that's why I'm not convinced that the Balloon Dior actually has that much prestige or meaning because it seems like they're going to give it to whoever they feel is popular at the time. It's voted for by, I think it's journalists.
0: Yeah, the journalists.
1: Uh, on, a, on a panel. And
0: I for, for fifth me, you. And I think players Sorry. get a
1: vote no, as well.
0: So the managers, international managers.
1: So for me personally, the Bloondiore holds no... I no don't know rule. why I'm
0: shocked, but the, mean, year that Luke, the, the year that M- Modric won the Ballon d'Or, Leonel Messi came sixth.
1: Michael That's Owen Menor. won the Balloon Dior.
0: Ronaldo, Gresman, Mbappe, Rafael Varane, and then Messi.
1: Michael Owen won the Balloon Dior.
0: He did in 2002,
1: 1. And I wouldn't have had him uh, even the best player of his one. generation. Yeah. He'd be oh. anything else. And he went to Real Madrid, and that worked, didn't it?
0: David Beckham came second in 99. And Shearer came third in 96. There
1: you go. Can't even remember that far back. Are there any other honourable mentions before we move on? No, I think Salah was my last one. I think I'm done. There, there's probably tons of people I, I can't remember. I mean, there's... Darren Bent, for example, uh, said Andy Cole. But I wouldn't have had Andy Cole down as one of the greatest finishers of all time.
0: The one um, I kept coming across on a few websites, but I refused to because of his time at Charlton. Jimmy Ford Hasselbank's name came up a few times. From bothered. Leeds and Chelsea,
1: and really? I said,
0: and I thought, no, because I saw him as a fat man at Charlton, and I refused to give him any
1: credit. Reminds me of a poor man's Tony Yaboa, to be honest. He could hit a volley fantastically, but I don't know. To be fair to Jimmy Floyd, haswang He's got a lot of goals. That's a goal
0: record again. Yeah,
1: he's got a lot of goals, but
0: ironically, great goal record, then went to Charlton.
1: Yeah, but he was about 33 by the time. But the season before that, he scored for fine at Middlesbrough. Yeah, but he was about 33 at the time and about the same in stone as well, if I remember rightly.
0: The season before, he scored 16 and 32 for Middlesbrough. Came to Charlton and got two in twenty-five. Yeah! Yeah! We'll move on to our second feature, and our second feature is the Club World Cup and Super Cups. Ryan, um, before I melt melt you down with your new before with, with the new plans for the Club World Cup, I'll let you explain a bit. Why
1: do you want to talk about it today? The main reason I want to talk about it is because I've got a friend who's a Chelsea fan. So I've been giving him a bit of stick because there's been a lot of Chelsea fans online after they won the Club World Cup recently saying that they're now the best team in the world because they won the Club World Cup. Now, for me, I can't see a correlation between the two. I think for me, arguably, if you win, if you're a domestic uh, team, if you win the Champions League then you're the best team in, in the world just because you fly over to Brazil or Japan or somewhere and play someone from Brazil and someone from China and, and someone from Africa or wherever these teams come from these days it's for me personally it's not got any prestige or any merit and I would argue the same for the UEFA Super Cup Although maybe that's got a little bit more merit because that is the two winners of different European cups playing each other. But for me, I just don't see the relevance of either and I don't necessarily believe that we should have them because I don't think they are anything more than essentially money-making ideas for FIFA and UEFA respectively. But if they are changing the format, then fill us in, Dan.
0: Before that, I'd just say, the Super Cup is completely a money thing. The Club World Cup, obviously, is is a really old thing in terms of when it was first played. And Obviously, if you go back into the mid-1970s and 60s and 80s, where it was a bit more... The, the playing fields were level. The games between Europe's winners are, at that point would have been the Cup winners. No. What was it called? European Cup? Well, it's just the European Cup, wasn't it? You, you had the, three
1: cups. You had the European Cup, the European Cup Winners' Cup, and what? And what is now the UEFA Cup? But
0: right, yeah, so the winners of the UEFA. What would have been then the European Cup, the the Champions League? Yes. And the winner of the UEFA Copa Libertadores, which is the oh right, yes, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the Club World Cup. The yep. cup of that was. A lot more, it, it was a big game back then because the sides were so level. It right. was, you were playing the two best sides in the world. It was built up massively. And if you go to South America now and speak to football fans in South America, they still see the Club World Cup as a massive tournament. Um, if you watch the build-up from the Palmeiras side of things when they played Chelsea, it was made like, this is bigger than your league season. Not, And it's not because they were playing a big European team. It's from... Brazilian background and heritage of football this is a major competition where I think as you said because of the way that Europe is now and there is such a gap between European sides and the South American sides and the Asian sides and the African sides and the Oceanic side that make it it, it it's not a thing anymore it's now just an exercise to make money because there is no there's, it's not a game we expect the European side to walk in there and win they do I think, I think the last team that didn't was I think Chelsea lost it there last time they were there to Corinthians or something. So it genuinely just doesn't make a difference anymore. It's probably outdated now, and if anything. And then uh, obviously going on to what is now going to be the Club World Cup. So as of, I believe, the next Champions League, so the, this Champions League final coming now, which, spoilers, is going to be Liverpool, um, they changed the format of what the club will cut. So currently, I think it's the winner of each thing. So you get the team from Oceana, the team from CONCACAF, the team from, and then they go into stages. I think the British teams come, the European teams, the British teams, European teams come in the semis, don't they? And walk their way through. So from next year, the tournament will now be played in the summer of June. When the players should be finished and what they've done is they've made it a 20 is it 24 teams 24 team tournament so the, the club world cup will now be a 24 team tournament it will be the host nation whoever the host nation is the winner of that league will enter so for this first year it's china so the winner of the chinese league will automatically qualify to this tournament they'll be joined by the eight quarter finalists of the champions league so if you make the Champions League quarter-final, you're in the Club World Cup. So the four semi-finalists of the Cup of Libertadores and then a playoff for the two best people that were knocked out at the quarters, effectively. The two finalists of the North American Champions League and the third-place finisher. The same for Africa. Then Asia will have two, the winner, the semi-finalist, and then Oceana will have their winner of their Champions League. They'll go into groups again. Eight groups of three, because everyone loves eight groups of three. One team will qualify from each group to a quarterfinals, and then we're knockout from the way there. Because you know, why not? Makes money,
1: doesn't it? What the fuck? <laughs> why? It's no longer the money. World Cup. It. This is just like what they did with the Champions League, and now we're going to play in a summer when. It's what, is it going to be an every two-year event? Because uh, you've sure got to squeeze to it in? You've got to squeeze it in between a Euros and a World Cup and a African Cup of Nations, because that's going back to summer as well. And
0: all sorts of rubbish.
1: And the Libertadores and everything else. What? Why are people banging on about footballers' welfare and then going, yeah, we're going to add another tournament, and instead of it being about eight people, we're going to have 24 instead?
0: Twenty-four, And they're picking... <laughs> eight european sides <laughs> what the fuck i thought you'd like that i came across it i didn't know about it, it Seems to have gone under the radar then i played football manager and i was suddenly in this competition i'd sent all my players away i'd basically decided this will make probably make you laugh but i'd basically decided i was going to have a complete squad overhaul and sold half my squad at the end of may and put them in my reserves so I had about 15 players and then all of a sudden I was being told to pick a squad <laughs> champions and I was like um I don't have any players <laughs> under, 18, under 18 under 18 quick okay, so I was actually caught going back to the, my players in my reserves going I didn't mean it I know you're leaving but can you please just one way
1: yeah I, I said this I dro- um, dropped some E17 talking? on them What was the
0: uh was Champions League we were talking about the Champions League, weren't we?
1: No, because we were talking about an international tournament a couple of weeks ago on a pod. What were we talking about? We you were, were
0: talking about the World Cup, the new World Cup system.
1: This is just chaos. It's more and more chaos. It's basically like having a World Cup with clubs, which I know is kind uh, of well, the point of, that is exactly of the title, is. but that's not what they were doing before. And it's not... It's not the best of the best, is it? It's... I think I, I think if you're going
0: to have this tournament, you have it as it currently is with the the winners of each continental competition. Although, as I say, I think it's outdated now because you're not playing on a level playoff field like you were 40 years ago, 50 years ago when the competition was at its heights, and you were getting winners from Asia and winners from Africa and South America and Europe. Now it's just there's one or two South Americans thrown in. I thought the competition if they think the competition is dead is more or less dead, which is hence why they change it. don't make it worse by inviting more crap.
1: I think it's also just made it completely even more irrelevant than it already is, yep. because there is absolutely no prestige to it now at all because at least beforehand you could argue the toss that it was the relevant champions of europe, Africa, America, whatever, and they were all playing each other, but this is champions league format of yeah we'll chuck everybody in it now and basically Mm -hmm. whoever wins it wins it and if you win i think there was one idea to try and jazz up the fa cup that they were like oh if you win the fa cup you get a champions league place and that didn't happen
0: the minute you you get your League, don't you
1: and it's just like i I said on a, a pod we were talking about the world cup i think it was and i was like does anyone else get the feeling that uefa and fifa are just destroying football for money and it, it's really genuinely feeling like that now because there is no prestige to any prize now, really. The the Champions League, as much as people rave about it, and as much as as much money as it makes, and as much as people say that like it's more important than winning the Premier League, there, there's no prestige to the Champions League anymore because it's not the Champions League, it's the Champions plus every other fucker who. And everyone else are qualified, and then you've got the argument of there's some champions of some countries, like Scotland, for example, that don't even automatically qualify for the Champions League, even though they won their league.
0: Mm. Speaking of, on a bit of a tangent, but speaking of winning cups that gets you into Europe, did you watch any of the Carling Cup final, the Carabao Cup final?
1: No, I didn't actually. I completely forgot it was on because that's how important the League Cup is to me now.
0: I urge you. Whatever you do, you need to go and find Virgil van Dijk's penalty.
1: Oh, I think I heard about this. Apparently, like, who was it? The goalkeeper was...
0: Kepa literally stands to the right side of his goal and is pointing at the left side. Van Dijk twats it as hard as he can, right where (laughs) Kepa's standing. And then, obviously, it goes in and Van Dijk just looks at him and says, don't do that.
1: Serves him fucking right, to be honest. I, I must admit, we're going to talk about Chelsea in a little bit. But... I, there, there was a lot of stick on the radio because I'd sort of like caught the aftermath. I didn't actually see the game itself. And they were like, "Kepper's supposed to be this brilliant penalty saver. And yet they brought him on specifically for penalties. And he didn't even get close to any of them and then missed the, the key penalty. And it kind of brought back my thoughts about the Mark Noble incident earlier this year.
0: Yeah, I I, um, I laughed harder because do you remember Kepper? Well, oh, how many years back are we looking now? Four the years Chelsea incident. Refused refused to come off
1: under Maurizio Sarri yeah he was told to come off so they could but then on... to be fair
0: then won them the cup so but like, his penalty record is genuinely good well it was but, yeah, until that cup final Where well, it was and then bless him you kind of knew as soon as he stood up you knew it was <laughs> you knew he was going to blaze it to be fair he got close to a few of them there was a few again we talk about players with technique there was a few players you knew when they stood up like Mo Salah wasn't going to miss
1: no like
0: Virgil van Dijk's Stood up and I went. He ain't missing. His fans, no. He's just gonna smack it. Yeah. For for Fabinho, I was Fabinho's gonna score, no problem. The only the first one who kind of stood up for Liverpool, and I thought, to, I'd be honest. Go watch the penalties. I think there was two bad penalties on either side. Ibrahim Kadate hit one that Kepa should have saved, and there was a Chelsea one where the, the only reason he didn't really hit it because the Liverpool keeper was on the floor. Kelleher is that his name? Yeah. But some of the but like Harvey Elliott stood up and he looked nervous as crap, and I thought he's skying this. And then he whipped one to the, talking of players that could be in England squad too. feel Um, but the the way he hit his penalty, he's not bad. This kid,
1: is he <laughs> definitely not. And I must admit, speaking of kids that ain't that bad, Liverpool's reserve goalkeeper. I can't pronounce his first name. Kelleher,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: man. For for, for man. a backup goalkeeper who doesn't play much, I've watched him throughout the the cup runs that Liverpool have had the last couple of years. He's not a bad keeper as well. If he could, if he did, could
0: easily stand on his own in the Premier League. He's easily. so good.
1: If he, Alisson Chelsea. decides he wants to leave, then I think they've, they've got a ready made replacement.
0: There was so many saves that he made in that game where, you know, you say, how the hell does he done that? Like, Kelleher is a very, very good keeper. But that's a massive tangent we've gone on.
1: But it kind of leads us nicely onto our next subject. <laughs> Chelsea are falling apart at the seams. Roman Abramovich is off ski. He's Trotinovsky, he's doing one, I'm trying to make light of this because obviously the situation surrounding it is so unbelievably dire. And I think I speak for everyone associated with this podcast when I say that it's tragic, it's appalling. Sport can do so much, but in the face of war, it, sport is really irrelevant. But it's posed. An interesting topic for this podcast because Roman Abramovich has announced that he has every intention of selling Chelsea because of potential sanctions against Roman Abramovich, which is basically where the UK government are trying to seize his assets to stop money getting him back into Russia. Chelsea are up for sale. Now the big question is: is what is going to happen to Chelsea? I have a friend who's a Chelsea fan. And I sent him a lovely voice note this morning saying, do you remember the early nineties when you had Eddie Newton and Steve Clark and Dennis Wise playing for you and you sprinkled in a couple of Italians and occasionally got into a cup final? And he said, yes. I said, well, you might want to get used to that now because he's off ski and he's taking all his money with him. Because what I didn't realize was not only has he loaned them, 1.5 billion pounds which by the way he's not asking for just in 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 a moment in sort of like just for clarity's sake he's he's wiping off the debt and any proceeds that he makes from the sale are going to be donated to a charity uh in the ukraine uh to help them the help the humanitarian side of the the relief um so to be fair to him a russian is donating money to ukraine so where the money comes from. I know there's an argument about dirty money and, and stuff like that. At least it's going in. But apparently what I didn't realise is that since Abramovich has taken over on top of that £1.5 billion loan he's given them, they've also made a loss of £900 million. So the big question is who's going to be rich enough to take on Chelsea? <laughs> I know. Wow. What, I mean, Colin McGregor tweeting out, yeah, I'm going to buy Chelsea. But who's going to be rich enough? Because I mean, surely I, I guess there's a bunch of Saudi owners in Newcastle kicking themselves I was right now say, because they I'm bought savvy, Newcastle, bloke. and a couple of months later, Chelsea becomes available.
0: Well, so, supposingly, and whether you believe it or not, Abramovich has been fielding bids for Chelsea for a few years. Obviously, we don't know who's from, but supposingly, are Don't say Conor McGregor again.
1: No, sorry, it's. You, you keep saying supposedly, and it's actually supposedly. Oh, and, and every time you say it, you remind me of Joey from Friends. Supposedly. <laughs> like, is it supposedly? Supposedly. <laughs> Sorry, but carry um, on.
0: Yeah, so um, apparently there's been loads of interest. I know there was one, was a Swiss man. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. He was, it, To be was fair,
1: like, he wasn't interested. He was offered the chance to buy Chelsea.
0: Oh, okay. I know his name was like... It begins with W. was that Visa or Visa? Yeah. I don't know.
1: He's a Swiss but, uh,
0: millionaire, billionaire, whatever. Wasn't. Rem- and then there was another one was someone called Jim Rat- Ratcliffe?
1: Ratcliffe. Yeah, he's, a- he's one of the most prominent billionaires in the UK. There was, apparently um, that's been denied as well.
0: A, a YouTuber that I watch, a Chelsea fan, was saying that he's someone that has said that he'd like to invest in a football club, but apparently he's a Chelsea fan. But obviously the ins and outs, who knows, with the current situation. Also, I'm imagining that whatever the price he wants, he's not going to get because people are going to know that he has to sell the club effectively. So his club that he, the sale that what the figure he probably wants, he's not going to get near, but on a different note, taking this slightly different term, but we can come back. I found it really, I don't even know what the right term is. Annoyed that the premier league chief exec came out and said, Oh, it's fine. Whoever the new owner is, we can do the deal in 10 days. Why Don't you do the rest of the deals in ten days? Why don't you rush through this one? I mean I know why you rush through this one, but' as in why can't you do them all that quickly?
1: I was gonna say that the the asking price is rumored to be two billion pounds
0: yeah two billion so, um which apparently before was so he once before he'd turned down a bit of three billion previously Supposedly. supposedly as you, <laughs> my correct English would say but um. Now, yeah, he's not going to get 3 billion now. i will be shocked if he gets 2 billion.
1: Well, that's the thing, is if they are losing 900 million pounds over Roman Abramovich's tenure... 19 years, yeah. They're not making money, so it's huh. not a profitable business. <laughs> how,
0: can, um, how can you make money when you get rid of your manager that's on a four-year deal every other year? Well,
1: exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're paying about 20, 30 million pounds a year on whatever manager they want to get rid of. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm amazed that they still sign them to these long contracts. What's the point? Just sign them to a one-year rolling contract and see if you make it till the end of the year. Um, well,
0: apparently, Cholt have done with Jackson. You give him a year and a half and you say, well, there's an extension clause at the end. We can get out or keep you for another year. Our choice.
1: Well, it looks like, yeah, they'll, they'll be exercising that, don't it? but we won't get into that one tonight. So, what do you make of the Chelsea conundrum? Do you think they're going to have to have a... F- like a flash sale of of their players, because unless a Saudi state comes in, then who's going to spend two billion pounds on a non-profitable business that's hemorrhaging cash?
0: My honest belief is Chelsea will be absolutely fine. I don't know how, because as you said, I don't, I don't know any rich people. I'm not rich myself. I don't plan on buying Chelsea unless it's on sale for a Freddo or something. But, I don't think, even in the worst scenario, I don't think the Premier League would let Chelsea be put in any problems.
1: Sidebar, how much is a Freddo these days? Oh
0: fuck no, I don't think I bought Freddo in about 20 years. <laughs> let me have a quick Google. Well,
1: <laughs> so we found I, that we
0: found a title for the podcast.
1: Yeah. How much is a Freddo?
0: <laughs> 25p. Rip-off. Used to be 5p when I was young.
1: Oh anyway. There you go. it's off <laughs> we've gone on a complete tangent now.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, I think, um, without going into too much detail on the, the whole background of, of the story, I think I think Chelsea will end up being fine. Whether it's they find a deal or the Premier League cut them some slack somewhere, I don't think Chelsea will get in any trouble.
1: To be fair, the Premier League's not the problem, is it? It's the UK government. Because no, but in, go I think
0: if, if it got to a point where they took the money away, I'm sure like, they took Abramovich away, which is obviously happening, the Premier League would step in to put something in place to keep Chelsea where they are. I don't see them going out of their way to change Chelsea, like to make things difficult for Chelsea. So, in terms of Chelsea, I think they'll be fine, short term, long term. But yeah, you know what? What's happened is has happened, and
1: you you see my you don't really under- know do you? My understanding is actually quite different because from what I've heard and from what I've seen reported, Chelsea are actually in a lot of trouble because. If you remember Abramovich, when he said he was stepping down, he was going to sign over to a board of trustees.
0: Mm. there Bruce Buck.
1: yeah, and a couple of other people, including Which ironically, is bitch. no, ironically Emma Hayes, the, the woman, the yeah, and they've turned woman, it down. Uh, well, unfortunately, it turns out it might not actually be legally possible to do. Yeah, that's why they turned. And that's it down. why they've turned it down. Yeah. So he's trying to sell, and he's got to find a buyer as fast as possible. He can't put any more money into Chelsea right now, as I understand it. That could be wrong. So no, he if can't. Chelsea... Yeah,
0: his, his assets are frozen, he can't do anything.
1: So unless Chelsea is profitable, then they are hemorrhaging cash by the truckload right now.
0: Well, so one way that I saw being spoke about as a way around it, and obviously I don't know the logistics of it. This is something that I've read. Is he could sell it the club off in blocks into more like investment blocks so so an investor comes in for this percentage of the club so that for the time being while he's in the club he's the one putting the money forward so say he sells 50 percent of the club for however much you want to say to um, a Saudi man or whatever he puts money into the club to keep them for now until they find a bigger dealer or someone to do the deal so that they're technically the stakeholder. Cause if I think it's, if you buy 51%, you're more or less in charge. Then do you get what the point was kind of going forward? Then he keeps the money until they find a bigger investor to be the sole owner of the club. But, yeah, I, but the logistics of that, I don't think are too good.
1: Yeah, but this is the problem. My understanding is because his assets have been frozen He's not allowed to sell anything. He's not allowed to receive money for anything. That's my, unless my understanding is wrong. They are not allowed to buy. They are not allowed to sell. That is why a lot of them before the sanctions come into, this is essentially why he's trying to sell now because the minute those sanctions hit, he will lose the club. He will get nothing for the club. He won't be able to put money in or take money out of the club. He cannot do anything at all. Well, I mean... This is what confuses me even more. If that is the case, then fuck knows what Chelsea are going to do. This is what I mean, because it's not like Chelsea is a self-sustaining club. Because then surely if Chelsea can't do it,
0: if his club, his business can't do anything, Chelsea can't do anything, which means Chelsea can't sell anyone. Chelsea can't sign anyone. Because the company that owns Chelsea...
1: Is the company that owns Chelsea under Russian or Israeli...? He, he owns the company. He owns Chelsea Football Club. So any money Chelsea makes goes to him. He's got shareholders but as the, well.
0: But, uh, but the, is, there a, is there a loop? Obviously, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of, of the well, deal. I think,
1: I think that's why they were trying to do the board of trustee thing. So that way, any money made from the sale of the club... Wouldn't go to Abramovich, but would go to the Board of Trustees.
0: Yeah. Well, I know the, the point I was gonna make, or the, not the point that's the wrong thing, the thing I was gonna ask was is there a possible see we don't we don't know the the hundred percent the deal of what the government have said or you know what what goes on at Chelsea, but the company that owns Chelsea Football Club, obviously Roman Abramovich is the person, but there's a company that owns Chelsea Football Club. If they're registered not as Russian, is there a way that they could work it that way, maybe, because because I know he's obviously changed. Roman Abramovich himself has changed his, what's the term? His national, not his nationality, but he's an Israeli citizen now, isn't he? Yes. So if I wonder, see so again, like it's all talk because I haven't got a clue. But I wonder if the company that owns Chelsea is it is it under Israeli or is it under Russian? Because if it's under Israeli, is that a way through? Is, or if
1: it no. isn't, is it? It's about whether he owns it or not. So they could transfer the, the ownership of Chelsea to a company he owns, but because it's an asset of his, it will still be frozen. Fuck that isn't <laughs> this, this is what I mean. For, from my understanding of it, unless he can sell before the government come calling for Chelsea Football Club, Chelsea are essentially fucked because they're not even self-sustainable. Forced so... Then.
0: Limited, is the company that officially owns Chelsea's Fordston Limited. Just and for that, people that have any interest.
1: And who's that company owned by? Because whoever that company is owned, if that's owned by Abramovich, then that is another asset.
0: Director. According but, to this, so, according to this, Abramovich isn't on this list. Oh, he is. Yeah, no, he owns it.
1: Right, so that's another asset. Yeah. If it's in England, they can seize.
0: Yeah, so he's... Uh, it's laboured as uh, Abram Roman Abramovich, and but the only, again, there are two pe- are two other people on this list. I wonder if there's a role that these two can play in it. But again, I don't know the internet. But whoever Eugene Alexander Tannenbaum is, I don't, good luck whoever you are. But yeah, Roman Abramovich is the active shareholder with seventy five percent.
1: Then he needs Fordham to sell limited. his shares really quickly before the the government come calling in and, and whack <laughs> sanctions on him. Because
0: this is the thing that, I know you're not saying this, but this is people people will get confused with, is if someone buys that company, they buy Chelsea Football Club. Yes. but So that's what people think. But that's from what happened with Cholton, that's not true. You've got to buy the company's assets. So when Cholton were owned by the company that Matt Southall and Tahun Namir had the guy that bought the company didn't buy the club. According to the, the English football. So I'm not sure how this translates over to the Chelsea situation, because I'm assuming if you buy the company, you'll get Chelsea because they boned it. Well, that's what you'd think, but that's not what happened with Cholton. So unless there was something really obvious that I missed in the Cholton situation.
1: I was going to say, because how does that work? If you buy a company and that company owns another company, then yeah, surely you'd, you'd assume you'd it. buy the
0: assets. Yeah, you'd assume you just take the assets, but for whatever reason, that didn't happen. So, East Street's investments, which was Matt Southall when to and Tuhn-Namir's company was bought by the guy, and I can't remember his name, but he didn't own Charlton Athletic when he bought that company. So, I, again, like if someone buys the, I don't know if there's some that's confused me because you'd thought if you bought Ford and whatever it's called, you'll get Chelsea. But from what we've seen, what I've seen at Charlton, I'm assuming not, you have to buy Chelsea Football Club. But we'll see. I mean, time will tell because to my understanding and your understanding was slightly different, but I honestly haven't looked majorly into it. So it's very possible what you're saying is true, Um, in which case. uh, Good luck, Chelsea. And uh, I really hope that AFC Chelsea enjoy their trips around (laughs) North London, West London. (laughs) I'm particularly looking forward to when you get to play Welling in a few years.
1: I've heard Wimbledon have just brought back Plough Lane, and you used to train there. So maybe you know, you can ask for a, a return of the favor. Oh, that's it.
0: Chelsea Women. They, uh, Chelsea Women. They own um, Kings Meadow. So there you go. Trip down to yeah, Kings but who Meadow. Who owns Surf Chelsea London? Women? <laughs> I don't know. I assume this is the, the
1: same. Thing. This is the thing that's so insane about this situation. It seems to go round and round and round and round. You're never quite sure where it's going to stop. And who owns what, and what action is going to take going to need to be taken for in order for there to be a resolution?
0: I'm actually just googling now to see if Chelsea women are actually owned by Roman Abramovich. I'm assuming they are, but obviously, it's not always the same, is it? Sometimes, I know, like for example, Charlton for a long time, Charlton women weren't owned by Charlton Athletic Football Club. We just ran under the name Charlton until recently when Thomas Sanger bought them.
1: I'm
0: assuming Roman Abramovich owns Chelsea women.
1: Because all I know is that the Labour yes, leader, oh, oh god, all I know is the raised it in Parliament the other day that Roman Abramovich should be sanctioned. Yes, and if the government his, were going to do it,
0: theres links, much similar to we obviously won't go into detail, but much similar to Formula One and Nikita Mazepin, and and,
1: and also I hear, also I hear that Everton have got an issue as well.
0: Yes, one of their investors is going to get caught in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because Ushmanov, who I believe invested not in Everton football club, but in Everton's training ground. Uh, So Everton potentially could lose their training ground. So it's not all smooth sailing for Everton either. It does seem now that the UK government...
0: Uh, and Everton Everton can't catch a break, can they?
1: (laughs) No, they really can't. And it seems like the UK government are basically trying to sanction anyone who has got money that could potentially end up back in Russia. So good luck, It'd Chelsea. it would be interesting
0: to see like a list of football clubs that could be affected by this.
1: And CJ, if you're listening, mate, you can call and cry on my shoulder anytime you like, mate. Don't worry.
0: I have no sympathy for you because my team's shit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to be blunt, but my football club is shit. So if another club joins us at being shit, more than welcome. I watched my team get smacked by Oxford, so you know. Right, so on to the next segment, which is shithouse. It's taken me... What? What?
1: Oh, we missed one. Where's where's the FM Scout Report?
0: Oh, well, I haven't got any names. We'll go into the FM Scout Report because apparently Ryan's got FM Scout Report to hit us with.
1: I thought it was a weekly segment. I've done my job. What are you doing?
0: Well, it's been a long, hard week.
1: We'll have to use all mine then. Right. Yes, we will. Here we're going we're gonna to get all posh now because we're going to start screen sharing now so Dan can yeah. see. Right. So. So
0: if the recording shits itself, people, we can only yeah. have problems, right? You won't know, know.
1: We will. Dan's currently sounding like he's underwater. Right. Can you see the screen, Dan? Ah,
0: see, I know this before Ryan says this man. I've signed him for my Roma save.
1: Right. Well, this is good then, because then you can give us the lowdown because I haven't signed him, but I found him. And we're going to start off with 16-year-old Kerr Smith, who is a central defender slash right back. He plays for Dundee United in Scotland, obviously Scottish himself, and he is a five-star potential player. I haven't signed him. His stats are not fantastic when you sign him, but to be fair, he is 16 years old physically he's not too bad natural fitness of 13 pace and strength of 12 agility balance acceleration all 12 positioning very good for a 16 year old he's got 15 positioning and his jumping reach is 17 so he can can spring so dan you've you've bought him how much did you have to pay for him and is he any good
0: i paid just i believe it's going back now a few months but i believe it was just about 5 million pounds so sadly for me he had two really good seasons out on loan and then shit himself, broke his leg. And I sold him to Chelsea for about 15 million the the last season I played. And he was starting for Chelsea at centre-back. His stats, um, I think, physically went up greatly, as you expect, for a 16-yard. He becomes a bit of a physical freak. And there's another one that, from my remembering him from when I chose to sell him, his stats go up as... He's good for that role. So for me, he was a centre-back, that I sold him purely as a centre-back. He's a good, strong centre-back. I'd say he's a mid-table Premier League player. Good, as I said, strong, can do his basics correct. But when you come to pushing him forward and trying to get him at a top team, I think his technical stats that aren't key to defending let him down. Or, I mean, he's not... I don't think he ever becomes a ball playing defender but he could do a premier league job
1: and obviously there's a big caveat on this because he's 16 years old and it is how you train them at the end of the day yes as to how they develop so but dan says and
0: and sadly to him yeah after the age of 19 he broke his leg for me and that's not good for your physical for your development as a 19
1: year old no our second one gonna move on i can't i'm not sure i'm pronouncing this properly It's Mika Biareth.
0: Biareth, that's what I do, yeah.
1: He is on on the screen showing, this is from the second season at Arsenal, but when you start the game, this is obviously pre-update. He's an 18-year-old striker and he's out on loan uh, somewhere really he shouldn't be. So he's got potential. That all-important determination is 17, uh, 18 years old. It is enormous. And his natural fitness is 16 as well. And his work rate is also 16. His finishing is 14. And his heading is 13. And he is a striker. So this guy will will score you a bucket of goals. He's going to be expensive, though, because I sent him out on loan. As the graphic that Dan is viewing now. If you look at the bottom, I sent him out to the Skybet Championship with Hull City. And in 30 games, he's scored 14 goals and assisted three times. So that's basically a goal every other game. At 20 years old. So his current value, because the value in on this uh, edition of FM, it seems to be a little bit. It's rangy. Yeah, it's very fluid. It's just, it seems to be, there doesn't seem to be an actual price. It seems to be, well, we guess it's going to be somewhere. Yeah. So, in the, and in this case, it's between 17.5 million and 23 million.
0: Football manager said the reason they've done that is because when a scout, in real life, from what they've had conversations with clubs, is the scouts will come back to you and say, We think he's worth between blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. So then they put it into the game as a real life scout would do so.
1: Right, right.
0: OK. But, OK. But having said that, looking at his stats, um, although you've gone off him now, can you go back to him quickly? I can. I noticed in the bottom that they've put him down as a pressing forward. Yes. But I'd play him as an advanced forward.
1: Yes. That's what I do all, in all,
0: all day. He can finish. His composure's fine. His agility would put me off playing as that pressing person, but he's quite quick. He's got enough strength to hold up the boy if needed. I'm hoping his technicals improve overall to make him a, a top player to reach that full four star potential. He'll probably need a big improvement to those technical stats because his mental and physical stats are very very good for what a twenty year old to what he's yep. eighteen when you start the game.
1: Yeah,
0: at twenty, those technicals that technical side isn't going to go up massively. So, I'd be shocked if on that save, unless you work miracles, that he'd make a four star player. But,
1: but I think- again, it's development. So, if you yes. pull him, if you get him to the point that I've got him at the moment, where he's 20 years old and he's been on, lo- had a season on loading the championship and scored goals, then he's basically ready to be tried at first team level. And if you're trying him at first team level and training him at your club and you've got quality coaches, then the technical side of their game does tend to develop quite quickly with the more game time they have.
0: For me, I I would argue personally that at 20, he's probably showing me more or less what he's going to be. He's probably got another year or two of development. As I said, I don't think that... I think he's going to be... He'd be fine in the Premier League. I don't think he'll become a four-star player. But I'd sign him for an average that guy on the other hand who you've just shown me there. I'd sign all day, every day. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> which, which one's that?
0: Go back again. Go back. Him. <laughs> That's the
1: same one we were talking about. No, 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 not him. The one before. Ah, that okay. <laughs> have you signed him before? <laughs> yes, he scores for fun. Right. Well, then we'll have a chat about Giacomo Raspadori. I believe he is the next Roberto Piccoli. Uh, although, ironically, is actually a year older. This is, again, in my second season as Arsenal manager. Don't ask me why I'm I'm managing Arsenal. I've already managed Man United. And yes, you'll be not shocked to hear that it was a very easy job because all I did was sign two central midfielders in Milinkovic, Savic and Declan Rice and won everything. Very easy. Right, so back to Giacomo Raspadori. He is at Sassuolo. Now, he's not going to be a bargain like Roberto Piccoli was. By the way, just on a side note yeah. for Roberto Piccoli, I said you can get him for £15 million. Pounds. Yeah, little tip. Instead of cutting the, the payments out over several years, if you just offer him £8 million quid up front, they take it straight away. So you can get him even cheaper as long as you've got £8 million quid in the bank. But, sorry, again, back to Giacomo Raspadori valued between 21 and 30 million pounds flare and off the ball of 16 finishing a first touch of 15 heading not great at 11 but acceleration balance and natural fitness all 15 so all very good and his agility is 16 as well so as an advanced forward or as a pressing forward he would be very good the determinations at 14 so just slightly lower than my bar but I'd definitely take a, a punt on him. Dan, you've managed him. Yes.
0: But the, my big difference is the on the screenshot that Ryan's got is showing him as a forward. I signed him as my attacking midfielder behind two forwards. Ooh. So I played him as I think it I think it was a check a Trequatista. So Ooh. very much kind of behind the strikers and filling the gaps that the strikers aren't filling kind of getting the ball. And because of his, when I get someone, it's Raspadori Ras as we're talking about, again, a great finisher, but because of his ability to pass, his technique and his physical stats, you could put him in behind the striker, which I do. And he gets, when he was part of my, again, Roma saves, I talk about a lot, but you, he puts in the middle and he gets into special places. He can set through my strikers were Adiyemi and Tammy Abraham and Lorenzo Luca, And Raspadori is quite good at finding those passes through the middle. I really, as much as he can play up front, I actually think because of that passing stat, and because he's only 20-21 when you start the game, you can train him a little bit to play, and then he starts to get a bit better. I think I had his passing up to about 16. So actually, he, he can drop deep. And also, he's quick enough to, if you can train him as a winger, maybe his crossing goes up a bit, but I wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, as an attacking midfielder, I think I had him on like 16 assists. And uh, 10 goals or something. So he's very good. And off the ball, I mean, look at his off the ball stats. That's kind of where he stands, stands off the most. And that's why I think off the play. So in a Trequatista, finding the gaps, he was very successful for me. The the price tag was, um, I I think I paid 40 million. But again, as Ryan said, I may have, it may have been done over a certain amount of years.
1: Right, and this last one, we'll do last one and, and then we'll move on to Shithousery. This last one, now, this player is an absolute nightmare to get out of Porto. If you can get him out on loan or as a transfer, I highly recommend you do. This is a potential five-star player. His value is between 14 and £17 million. Pounds. However, Porto value him much, much higher than his his value. They do not want to re- sell him. They don't really want to release him. It costs an absolute fortune, but it's absolutely worth it. His name is Fabio Vieira, uh, not, kind of similar to Patrick Vieira in name, but there's an extra I in there. And he can play as a cam or as a right winger or a, a push, a central midfielder, or as a left winger. This guy is a five-star potential, and he's already at about three stars when you when you sign him. He's genuinely that good. He's where, – where do I start? This, this guy is an assist machine. It's the only way I could do it. I've taken him, and I've had him at Newcastle. I took him on loan in uh, FM 2021, and he was an absolute assist machine there as well. Dribbling, first touch, passing – 15, technique, vision, 16, decision-making, 15, balance, 15, natural fitness, 13. There's a lot of 13s and 14s. Corners, another reason to sign him. Corners and free kick takings at 14, so he's a good, solid choice for set pieces. He's only 21 years old uh, on this screenshot, so he's going to be about 19, maybe 20 when you start the game. Uh I don't Dan have, have have you signed him before? Have you ever heard of him?
0: He's someone that I've scouted for every team that I've played, but as you said, to get him off Porto is a pain in the arse. I don't think I've ever managed to successfully get him. There, there's a cheaper option at Porto that I sign regularly in Fatina. Fatina, Fatina? But no, uh, that can't can't get anywhere near Fabio Fieri, Fieri. Well,
1: You'll have to bring us Fatina next week, then. Um but yeah, there you go. So I did my, my my lot. There you go. Yeah, I didn't do mine. Sorry, people. Honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm holding this show all together on my own.
0: Well, I wasn't planning on because we were doing something different until about three hours ago.
1: Yeah, no. To to, to <laughs> be fair to, to to Dan, we were planning on doing a mental health special, but due to circumstances beyond our control, we weren't able to bring it to you this week. We are going to do it one. It's unfortunately, it just wasn't possible this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, we're on to
0: shithousery and my shithousery I found for next week, but obviously I'm going to use it now because I already had it found and I think, I don't know why it's shithousery in my head, but I think it is Have you heard Jamie O'Hara's rant about the last time Tottenham won silverware?
1: I may have heard it, but do refresh my mind.
0: So he singled out the fact that Tottenham have waited so long is embarrassing because the last time they won silverware, he was on the bench. <laughs> and my thing, my question is now is that embarrassing because it's been that long? Or was it embarrassing that you were on the bench? <laughs> Which one are we embarrassed about? The fact that their squad was shit enough that you made the bench, or that it's been so long now because both is as embarrassing as the other? oh dear it is weird because obviously Tottenham squad now is much better than the squad that apparently had Jamie O'Hara on the bench
1: Oh, to be honest I'm not sure it is who was in that squad in the last I'm just I just thought about that and I'm literally just googling the starting 11 let's have a comparison while we're here before we end the show because we actually probably could let's have a look at their squad
0: Paul Robinson or Hugo Lloris I'm going to keep score
1: Paul Robinson for me personally.
0: Yeah, me too. One nil. Right backs, Emerson Royal. <laughs> I mean, Emerson Royale or Alan Hutton. I don't want to give it to you.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a really poor choice. Um, <laughs> oh shit! Bloody hell! How are I'm you supposed to, to choose?
0: I'm giving it to Emerson Royale on the basis that I've seen him go forward at least.
1: I'm going to give it to Alan Hutton.
0: Right. So, that, so we'll keep that as one nil because we're still. <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't agree. Woodgate or Davidson Sanchez? Woodgate, hands down. Okay, and then Eric Dier or Ledley King? So we'll stick Ledley, Ledley
1: King. King, that's obvious.
0: Uh Who's Tottenham's left back?
1: Sergio Reguilon, isn't it? Uh, or is it ben uh, Davis?
0: No, uh, Reguilon over Pascal Chimbonda. No, <laughs> it's not close. Aaron Lennon or Kyungmin Son? Kyungmin Son, there's no Son, no doubt. Jermaine, about it. J- 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 who? Bentacore, do we count new
1: signings? We we've got to we've got look at the squads that they've got at the time. So
0: So yeah. or Jermaine Genus?
1: I'd probably argue Jermaine Genus because Bentacor's not been around long enough. Oh, if, you're, if you're comparing it to say Oliver Skip instead or or Heuberg, then well,
0: well the next one's Hoyberg or Didier Zakora. Didier who? Didier Zakora, he was crap well, I'm going to give it straight away to Pierre Hoyberg.
1: I don't even remember who he is he must have been that crap Then
0: Then you've got Lucas Moura or Steed Malbronk
1: I'm having Steed Malbronk I Me really too. like Steed Malbronk actually I thought he was fantastic for Fulham
0: Robbie Robbie Keane or Kulofowski so Robbie Keane Robbie Keane yeah and then Berbatov or Kane Kane Kane, so it's six four to Tottenham's League Cup winning time. Ah. That's ten. <laughs> Hold on, we're missing a player. No, we're not. That's seven four.
1: Oh to the, to the squad,
0: the bench. Who was, I have to the say bench? who was on the bench?
1: Who was on the bench?
0: Was Radek Cherney.
1: Uh, uh, against who?
0: This is Radek against who's Tottenham's number two now? It's Gallini, isn't it? Gallini, uh, Gallini. I'm assuming
1: that's a nil, Tottenham's that's
0: last a nil nil. Tottenham's last bench up. Uh, not the cup game, because they played kids and lost to Middlesbrough. They didn't play kids, but still.
1: I think it's Pierre-Luigi It
0: is, yes. So then there, then it's Ben Davis or... Well, no. Did they ever send it back on the bench? Davidson Sanchez or Eunice Cabal?
1: I'm probably going Eunice Cabal, to be honest.
0: One of either of them.
1: Tom Huddleston
0: or Harry Winks?
1: Probably Tom Huddleston.
0: Tom Huddleston. Back then, Tom Huddleston. Uh, Timu Tainio or Oliver Skip I love Oliver Skip
1: Oliver Skip yeah
0: and then Darren Bent or Dane Scott Stephen Bergwine to Darren Bent
1: (laughs) so Jamie O'Hara or
0: Jamie O'Hara or Alfie Devine whoever that is I don't know who Alfie Devine is
1: but I think we've just answered our own question. It's just the the, the cup winning side was better than this one. And unfortunately, that means Jamie O'Hara. Oh, <laughs> dear. <is> <laughs> Have you heard he's having a boxing match, by the way?
0: Is he? Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm guessing find his it's the charity, but. They might find his brain cell in the, in the time being. You know, well, it,
1: talking about brain cells and also talking about talk shite presenters. Gabby Abonglahore struck again. <laughs> of course he did. He doesn't even know who invented the telephone. Did he not? Do you?
0: No. I, pro- I think I do, but I don't want be- to be wrong, but I think I do know. Go on. Uh, Is not Alexander
1: Bell? Yes. Gabby Abonglahore yeah. didn't even know that, and he's older than you. Mind <laughs> you, in saying this, as is tickled this show so many times, this is a player who takes twenty minutes to boil an egg, or a former player, we should say.
0: Fucking oh, how does it? Just... That still amazes me.
1: It, it, honestly, the 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 crap that turns up on Talksport these days genuinely does baffle me as to who they're putting. How does it take you that long to fucking boil an egg?
0: Honestly. I think he. Sh- I really think we should start a petition to get him to boil an egg on camera. <laughs> Because I, I want to know what he's doing. What, what, is he boiling the egg and going off? If he's, like, boiling the egg, but going off for a cuppa, then I can understand where he's going wrong, right? If he's standing there for 20 minutes going, yeah, right, mate, yeah, I'm just boiling my egg, yeah. Uh, this is how i No, you need to stop it, Gabby.
1: I think they need to take him off the bloody, off, off the show, honestly. It's, it's embarrassing. For those, of you that,
0: for those of you that don't have Sky Sports, which Ryan is one of them, a lot of people remember the Gillette Soccer Special days when they used to go on. They'd have a laugh, Charlie Nichols and Matt Letizia. They've replaced them now with Chris Boyd, who's a former Ranger striker, who is a scream, and a bunch of dickwads. Jamie Mackey, who just speaks to the camera, he has more errors than Ryan edits out of my <laughs> my. <hit list. laughs> You have Neil Miller, who no one can understand a word he says Because his Scouse accent is so strong
1: Jesus, it's, is this the level of pundit we're getting now? Gabby and then, then Jamie, O'Hara, Jamie O'Hara
0: Jamie O'Hara Jamie O'Hara Sky
1: is, Sports. Yeah, Jamie O'Hara is like Michael Richards He's just like the poor man's Michael Richards Basically, You will go Michael anywhere Michael that
0: him, uh, Yeah, the <laughs> one that goes on there occasionally That's really good, and I'm not saying it's just because I'm a child fan I really, Darren Bent is actually good
1: Darren Bent, I must admit, apart from his choice for Andy Cole being one of the top 10 finishers in Premier League history, then, yeah, I, I must admit, I enjoy listening to Darren Bent. There are a few people on TalkSport I enjoy listening to, and Darren Bent is one of them. Jason Kondy and Jamie O'Hara, however, are not, and Gabby Abongla. I,
0: I kind of don't like the idea of, of pundits in general, because I think, not necessarily their fault, I think they, they're given too much time to talk nonsense. So there's only a, a select few that I want to listen to. Like, as someone said, I ha- I have Sky and BT Sport. Oh, this nonsense they go through. There's a hand. Roy Keane's good because he's straight to the point. Micka Richards brings a bit of comedy. Jamie Redknapp. I don't know why he's there.
1: He's the Gabriel Brongler whore of Sky, isn't he, really?
0: He's, if, if you just left me weekly with Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher and one of Roy Keane and Micka Richards, I think I'd be fine. And Scott and BT Sports consistently having Robbie Savage. Why?
1: Because he lost his why, job at why? the PC, I think. Because he he's, do... he's, st-
0: he's still on. still on six o six.
1: Oh, is he still on six o six? Okay, yeah, he does,
0: it, he does it with Chris Sutton.
1: I, I, I mean, they obviously have their favourites. Rio Ferdinand's con- constantly on BT Sport. Paul Scholes as well. Um... I like Paul again. Paul Scholes isn't too bad because he. will
0: When he's talking, he's not you can tell that what he's saying he is genuine, like he this that's his opinion. But fucking like my Michael Owen, Rio Rio Ferdinand is one of the worst ones.
1: I must admit, I haven't heard enough of of Rio Ferdinand. I've heard more than enough of Michael Owen, he's completely useless. Some of his one-liners are atrocious.
0: Michael Owen's great. He's the kind of guy who
1: yeah, he's the kind of guy who will say. They would have scored had the goalkeeper not saved it. His more or or less said that Owen
0: Hargreaves is another one. When BT Sport had German, team, had German football, Owen Hargreaves was awful to listen to. It's like you know when you used to watch ITV and Andy Townsend did the England game. Do
1: you know what I find really interesting about that, though, is you comparing those two. The other thing they have in common is when they were suffering really bad injuries and couldn't find an, another club because of their injury records. They sent out CVs of their careers to prospective uh-huh. clubs. Owen, Owen Hargreaves went so far as videoing himself training
0: I remember to that. prove yeah. that
1: he was fit. And he won a contract with Manchester City. And then after about two games, got injured and never played for them again. So I just GPR find it rather ironic. Well, that was Rio, wasn't it? Yeah, I find it rather ironic that the two players that actually had to sell themselves to get themselves another move are the ones that talk absolute bollocks on TV.
0: Well, Owen Hargreaves doesn't talk bollocks, but have you ever heard Owen Hargreaves
1: talk, yes, I've. I've He's a like, oh, of that's
0: that's um, that's a really nice finish by Lewandowski. Uh, we won't, we don't see better than that normally, and um, that what change your tone. You, you've yes. just seen a goal scored, a screamer. You've not just seen a cat get hit by by a car. Please change.
1: Yeah. Maria no. Ferdinand
0: just talks nonsense.
1: Maybe we should do a segment on future shows about best and worst pundits.
0: Best pundit? Me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no my I... favourite pundit is Gary Neville, genuinely. I think he's great.
1: And I still think we should go live on YouTube and commentate on a game. I think that would be a laugh.
0: We should, yeah.
1: Next time Chelten are on TV or something.
0: I never want to watch Cholten on TV.
1: But I'm just saying reasons. We, even even if we do it on Facebook, we should go and do a, a live football match, commentary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the thing is, if it's a Charlton one doesn't matter. a we we'll banned whatever platform we're using because of all the rude words I'd be dropping every foot. I was gonna second. say
1: for all our listeners, we've got a Facebook page and if you go onto Facebook and type in football funders podcast, it will come up. Uh, there, there's been a couple of live streams on, on in the past that me and Dan have done and uh, we, we've covered like transfer windows and stuff and I think we've been on just for like a, an England game in the past but I think we'll actually have to do a commentary.
0: Yeah, wasn't that a
1: Euros game? I think it probably was at the beginning of the podcast so
0: Czech Rep- I want to say Czech Republic, don't if,
1: hold me to that. If you go on Facebook and have a look on our video feed then I'm sure you'll find it. Um, do, do go on to our Facebook page and like and and follow and we'd post the pod there as well uh and like i said every, we we do try and do live uh, streams for you guys but unfortunately facebook is very hit and miss about whether it actually works um so a bit, like, a bit like me we've tried it before there's we've had to delete delete several videos of me and dan trying to talk to each other and one of us can't hear the other one i mean you kind of can hear yeah and you've got people in the chat going yeah no we can hear dan but we can't hear ryan so if facebook ever get themselves together then um we'll, we'll try and bring you more live streams in future
0: yeah and of course you can always email us at football at gmail.com i had a brain freeze there i can only apologize
1: and we're also on twitter aren't we dan
0: yes at fball funders for some reason, for ages, I couldn't get onto it. We had a bit of a problem, but for whatever reason, I'm now back in. So the we should be tweeting a bit more regularly now that I've got a return to
1: Twitter. And um, yes, and so please do. If you've got any questions, any possible topics you'd like to be discussed, or opinions you'd like to hear, then do drop us a line on those social media outlets, and uh, we, we'd really love some fan interaction, actually so you definitely do get in touch
0: right well that's it for this week's football funders podcast thank you for joining me dan brian and ryan
1: yeah do you even know I mean, who you are i'm
0: anyway? dan i in. Mean, i'm dan and thank you for joining me ryan <laughs> you're you very out, ryan.
1: welcome
0: it's been a long week people i hope it's gone well for you and i'll see you very soon Bye. bye bye